Welcome to Harvest Valley Worship Center's Sermon of the Week. You can discover more about our church, pastors, and special guests at hvwc.com. We hope that you are blessed by today's message. As everybody knows, God usually gives me a song, which usually most people think, why is he playing that song? It's usually what seems to be a secular song, and he leads me to it, and I usually get something out of it. So today doesn't have a lot of lyrics, but I I love the song, so it'll get you going first thing this morning. All right, so everybody's going, what is that all about? When I think our Christian walk is a lot like what that is right there. When we first become Christians, we think we have to get stronger, that we have to do it, we have to push it, we have to move it. And then we realize that if we get more in Him, His strength comes to us. And then we don't have to do as much. We just have to be in relationship with Him. And then we're ready to fly. And I think we're all ready to fly. I think that's, that's what... That is part of maturing, is to get to the point where you can fly. And the actual message I'm going to give is about equipping, but God equips from before you're born. He equips you for what you have to do. He equips a baby bird before it's hatched. But can that bird fly as soon as it's hatched? No. It has to mature first. It has to go through what it needs you to develop to be able to do that. So that's what I'm going to go into. Um, first, I just wanted to say that last week at, at Chris and Mika's was amazing. To see so many people there for the 4th of July at their place and, and just to fellowship and have fun was great. So if you made it, thank you. If you didn't, don't miss the next one. When we have those gatherings like that, it's just amazing to be together like that and out of here. Not that this is bad, but we need to meet other places besides just here. We need to do it out in, the, out in front of everybody. Part of the things that was really great about that, how old is Tristan? Two, three? I think it's amazing when we're standing there, and Micah said he, he did it with her too, as he, he was standing there, I was talking to him, and he looks at me and he goes, you're the guy from church. <laughs> and I went, Oh no, I can't hide. (laughs) But think about that. If a three-year-old can remember who you are from church and can see what you're doing when you're not in church, people are watching. We need to be who we say we are and do what we're supposed to do, even when we're not in church. Matter of fact, more so when we're not in church. Now, for those of you who don't know me, I'm Kevin Snyder. I have the honor and privilege of filling in when Chris isn't here. Chris Bassett and Dennis Lee are down in Mountain Home, Idaho right now, leading a, well, Chris is speaking this morning about freedom, freeing people from offense. But yesterday they had a healing seminar they did down there and have seen physical healings and emotional healings that they said are just amazing. Which is just an outreach from this place. It just brings everybody forward 
This place is a uh, refuge for healing, as it says, and a launch pad for transformation. And they're just, they're just pushing that by going down there and being where they're at. They're, they're leading the charge as there's going to be people that come in here, get healed, and want to go out. And that's what this place is for, is to heal you, transform you, and launch you out. And there was a prophetic word given last Sunday from a guy from Montana before he left, and he, he worded that just like what we've been praying about here, that he said, what's happening in Sandpoint is going to touch the world. Not necessarily just this ministry, but all of the churches in Sandpoint will touch the world. And some of them already have. You think about the mission trips that a lot of people have gone on from around here? We already touched the world, but it's going to be more. More and more. Two weeks ago, I gave a message called Dreamweaver about how God weaves everything together. And of course, Dreamweaver was the song I played. But I preached about Joseph's life and how everything that he went into, he went from the bottom to the top. He used the gifts that God had given him and the equipping that God had given him to thrive wherever he was at. If it was for Potiphar, if it was in the jail, if it was for the Pharaoh, he went from the bottom to the top. He was a born leader, and he used it. And it was a gifting that he had. He was equipped to do what he did. So at the beginning of that sermon, I also spoke about how we'd been talking in MIT about how God equips us with everything we need. We just have to realize it. And I think realizing it is probably one of the hardest parts. So I was looking into that, and I looked up in my big, huge, Strong's expanded, exhaustive concordance that's this thick and was trying to find the word equipped. It's not in there. Equipped is not listed in there. But furnish is. He furnishes us with everything we need to do what we need when we need it. It says, to furnish is to supply with what is useful or necessary to fit out, provide, or equip. Which I was really, really surprised not to see it in there, because there's verses that have, and it goes by the translation, though. And I'm not sure exactly, you know, where they pull that all off of, but they pull it out of the, the old translations. So what he's doing is furnishing us, and it's not a one-time thing. He already has it planned, and he's already put it in motion. He's already weaved it together. But he is waiting for us to find what he's put in us and where he's put it and how he's put it. So today I wanted to talk a little bit about equipping and furnishing. I'll probably use equipping in there, even though 
I didn't find it in there. He plans way before we do. He does. I mean, it, the Dreamweaver was an amazing one for me because it just shows how much God can put together and how many different ways He can put things together to bring things out. Yeah. Yeah. I'm going to be reading. There's probably, I don't know, seven or eight scriptures I'm going to read in, in the process of doing this. So the Holy Spirit is in us, and he guides us if we choose to let him. As I was saying two weeks ago, too, is that there's always a choice. We can either open up to the Holy Spirit, or we can't. So there's, there's a way you can stop the equipping. In Acts 7.51, it says, Why would you be so stubborn as to close your heart and ears to me? You are always opposing the Holy Spirit, just like your forefathers. So we can choose to close our ears and not hear what he's saying. We can choose to not do what he has for us. In Ephesians 4.30, it says, The Holy Spirit of God has sealed you in Jesus Christ until you experience your full salvation. So never grieve the Spirit of God or take for granted his influence in your life. So we can grieve it and not do it. And I think a lot of us do it without even knowing it. Until you get that relationship built up to where you are willing to let the Holy Spirit speak complete. It's, it's terrifying. It can be. when you aren't sure where you're supposed to be or what you're supposed to be doing, when you have this voice in there telling you what he wants you to do, and you're going, you're crazy. And you're like, no, you have to listen to that little small voice. The other one is 1 Thessalonians 5.19. It says, Never restrain or put out the fire of the Holy Spirit. We can step on the fire. We can restrain the fire. Those are things we really want to try not to do. So along with, can I continue this somewhat with Joseph and with the Dreamweaver, I also wanted to tie it into some of what Ben said in his sermonette, which was amazing on stewardship. If you haven't seen it, go on HVWC on the website and check it out. So good. It is amazing. And that's one of the things he said that, you know, everything's a choice. And even if we choose not to, we're making a choice, right? And how we steward what we've been given, what we have, what's been given to us to do. Like I said, equipping is something that isn't just one time. It's something that keeps going. I want to start this by reading Ephesians 4, 11 through 16. And I'm actually doing it out of the King James Version. It's okay, Chris. You'll, you'll be all right. Um, 
And he gave some apostles and some prophets and some evangelists and some pastors and teachers for the perfecting, see, for the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ, to tell all, come in to unity of faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God unto a perfect man, unto the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, that we henceforth be no more children tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine by the slight of man and cunning craftiness, whereby they lie in wait to deceive. But speaking in truth in love may grow up into him in all things, which is the head, even Christ, for whom the whole body fitly joined together and compacted by that which every joint supplieth according to the effectual working in the measure of every part, maketh increase the body unto the edifying of itself in love. That pretty much says how he equips us. It puts it all right there. But you see how it doesn't say equipping, it says perfecting. So it's a process. Perfecting doesn't come instantly. Yes, some of us have talents, some of us have physical talents, some of us have mental talents, but we still have to sharpen those talents. We still have to work at them and get them to be better. The only way to get better is to practice and practice and practice. Just like Rocky. I was going to say I used to be able to do push-ups like that, but I'd probably be lying. So, <laughs> One of the one stories that comes to mind, too, is, is David and Goliath. God equipped David to do that. <laughs> no one in their right mind would have thought little David would take out this huge giant. Nobody. Matter of fact, most of the people on his side didn't believe he was going to be able to do it. They're like, there's no way. Why do you want to go out there? Well, let's put this huge armor on. Oh, wait, you can't even carry the armor. How are you going to go out there and fight? What are you going to do? Who do you think you are? What do you think you're doing? You think you can go take Goliath out? We have all these guys here and they're running in fear the other way. What do you think you're, how do you think you can do this? He was willingly obedient to God. He was traveling on God's strength, not his. There were some that were encouraging him as he went. And the plan wasn't his. It was God's plan for him to go do it. And... He had courageous faith. He had to. I'm sorry, but even if I could fling a stone like he did, I don't think I'd have been out there. I really don't. But that's what God calls us to do. 
to step into places. And that's why he equips us, because it's got to be something that we can't do ourselves. That we need him. So when we were talking about dreams in Dreamweaver, if the dream is small enough that you can take care of it and do it yourself, it's not a dream. It's got to be something that's bigger than you so that God can help you get to it and work you through it. Before I get in, I've got like seven points I want to make with scriptures, but one of the biggest places equipping starts is in the house. We equip our kids for so many things, but one of them we should equip them with is God. I'm not telling you to look back and, and feel sorry for yourself or condemn yourself if you didn't, but that is a really, really place to start. And there's a couple that came this morning, and I'm glad they showed up. Because Chip and Soretta, Soretta Short do that. I mean, how many of your kids are in ministry? But you're leaving a legacy by what you've done. You've got kids in ministry, but the other ones can listen to what grandma, your grandkids can listen to what the mission trips that grandma and grandpa have went on. You're leaving them a legacy of what to do and how to do it which is amazing. I didn't mean to put you on the spot or put you out, but that's what we need to do. And in that same, same thing, God has equipped me with certain things to be able to do, things I never thought I'd do again, and he brings them back up because like working on their house, I enjoy, and Annalise's house, I enjoy just visiting with the people that we're doing the work for and blessing them with the abilities that I've been given. And if I wasn't following the path that I am right now, I wouldn't have got another opportunity that's going to come up in October. My son and his fiance invited us to lunch last Saturday. And we get there and, and he we're talking for a little bit and we're sitting down to order and my son looks across and he goes, Dad, will you marry us? I'm like, Dude, really? We're in a restaurant. What are you doing to me? You could ask me outside. I said I'd love to. I'd be honored to. I just have to see what I have to do in Montana. It used to be in Montana Anybody could marry. I don't know if they've changed the thing. I'll have to go to the clerk of court and find out. I'll do whatever I have to to be able to marry them. And the other thing is they, they both know who God is. They're not following it as closely as I wish they would, but it's been there. There's a seed in there. And McKenna, his fiance, her parents are Mormon, and, but she doesn't follow that. So if they think that dad's not going to take the opportunity to speak into their life while this goes on, there's no way. I mean, I've missed a lot of opportunities from God, but this one is like, uh-uh, uh-uh. You don't know what you just asked for, son. 
But saying that, if I wasn't doing what I'm doing and following what God has me doing here, I don't think that would have ever come up. That they would ever have asked me to do that. So he equips us with things that he doesn't even know we're being equipped with. Um, Like I said, I've got seven points. One of the ones, these are things that, ways that I believe he equips us. Things he uses. Now there's, there's a million more out there that he can do, but one of them is affliction. And the the verse is uh, 2 Corinthians 1.4. It says, God who comforts us in all our afflictions so that we may be able to comfort those who are in any affliction with the comfort with which we ourselves are comforted by God. So lots of times he puts us through something or lets us go through something. He doesn't put us through anything. He lets us go through something so that we can grab the hand of the person that's in that same thing and help them out of it because we've already made it through. My wife, Micah, is a good example of that. She went through a a bad marriage and then got out of it, got through it, in depression. I mean, you ask her, she said, she was at the point of suicide. She'd planned it several times, but then looked at her kids and couldn't do it. But she was just that low, and she just one day broke down and said, God, why? What are you doing? Why am I here? What is... And he said, if you just take my hand and let me help you through this, help you through this, I'll help you guide other women through it too. And he goes, it's probably going to get worse before it gets better. But if you take my hand, we'll get through it. And then you can help others. So she does healing ministry now with women. And that's one of our dreams is to be able to work, have a rescue ranch to help women who have been trafficked, women who have been abused, women who have been... So he uses what we go through to help others. So don't ever think that you're going through something for nothing. And the other thing is, as we mature in Christ, we realize that even though we're going through that, we can still have his joy and his peace in the process. Sounds hard, but it isn't if you're truly with him and believing and listening to the Holy Spirit you can get through a lot. I mean, it's the same thing when we, I mean, and I've been mentioned that we will probably do some marriage stuff too because we've both been through marriages that, you know, we played our parts too. I'm not going to lie. I wasn't a perfect husband in my first marriage. But I learned from it. And for those around, I'm not trying to, toot my own horn or anything, but for those who knew Micah before I met her, she's night and day different. Because I treat her like the bride that she is. I do the little things 
and the big things. But you find out as, as you do that, <laughs> it comes back to you more than you ever give. It's reciprocated many times over when you do that. There was a, one of the people that we went to Brazil with had wrote this. She, it's a meme that was on, and I wrote it down. It says, you might be tempted to run from the process. Don't. The enemy plays dirty. You will have to fight to guard your heart, your words, your thoughts. This process will lead to your promotion. Oftentimes, hardship and difficulty do not mean you are off course, but he is preparing you for greatness. Just dropping in to remind someone to fight, not run. Seasons of comfort don't transform you into who God desires you to be. It's the messy season, the exhaustive season, the overwhelming season, and the confusing season. Press on. There is no breakthrough without a battle. <laughs> and I went, yeah, I just want the peaceful time. The other thing with that too is sometimes we get to the peaceful time and we're not used to the peaceful time. So they think we should have a battle when we actually should just be having the peaceful time that we have. Instead of waiting for the next thing to happen, just relax where you're at and keep listening to him. Number two, knowledge and open doors. Proverbs 2.6. For the Lord gives wisdom and from his mouth comes knowledge and understanding. All you have to ask for is wisdom, it says in there, and he'll give you wisdom. Sometimes I think we don't want the wisdom. And we don't want to listen to what it is. And, and it's not only just going to come from him, it's going to come from others around you who've done it, who've been there. He opens doors all the time. As long as we don't close them as soon as he opens them. Also, Ephesians 2.10, it says, we are, in, are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. So he's already prepared us for what we're going to walk through he knows where we're going. He knows the choices we're going to make. He knows the decisions we're going to make. Sometimes I wonder how much he sits up there and just chuckles at us and goes, they're doing it again. They're doing it again. They aren't. They're, they're just, they're going around the mountain. Eventually they'll figure out how to get to the top of it. I just keep speaking. If they'd slow down long enough and be quiet long enough, Listen to what I'm saying. Maybe they'd get up the mountain and still keep going around the mountain. And I think the big thing in here is a lot of us have figured out where the top of the mountain is. But that's why the people coming in who don't know where the top of the mountain is need a guide. That's what a healing place is. That's what we've been called to do. 
we keep, you know, the, it fluctuates. In the six years that I've been here, it goes up and down, people come and go. And that, I think that's just the way it's going to be here. I know it is, because that's what God keeps it's pointing at. But we need to equip those that come in. The only thing is, we need to realize that even though we're equipped, we still have to be listening and being more equipped. You can't just stop and think you've made it to the top of the mountain and you're done. We are his workmanship. We are supposed to do what he's put forward. We have to do what he set forward with us to go forward. To use the knowledge he's given us. To read his word. To pull out what we need to pull out. I don't know about you, but I mean, how many times can you read a verse and get something else out of it? It's alive. It's, the word doesn't change, but what you see in it changes. It's the living word. So, if it's the living word and we're reading it, are we not supposed to change with it? We're his workmanship. Three. Strength. Second Corinthians 12.9. My strength is sufficient for you. My power is made perfect in weakness. So we don't have to go through it ourselves. He's there. And when we're weak, he's strong. He's the one that's pulling us through. We just have to be willing to put our hand out and grab his and say, lead me through this. I need your strength because my strength isn't going to make it. I'm over my head. And he's saying, that's right where I want you. Because if it's over your head, there's not a lot you can do. And I'm right here to help you. You may be able to tread water for a while. But for how long? On your own strength. I look at the... the the people that, and, and he blessed, I'm not going to say, he blesses people that make lots of money. I'm not saying he doesn't. But I, I see people that are chasing happiness by what they own and what they have. Now, I'm not saying we're not supposed to have stuff. We are. He blesses us with stuff. He blesses us with things to do. He blesses us. But when that's what you're focusing on, it's an empty life. Because you can't take that with you. You can't do anything with that. I read there was a meme today, and it was uh, you can look at all those people that have the big boat, the big truck, the big thing, which is usually just a facade of a bunch of debt. Buy the secondhand truck, buy the Take the canoe. Live life. Don't be subservient to the debt, to the lender. Live life to the fullest with what he gives you. And I can tell you that as you do that, and as you give more to him and more time to him, you get more. You definitely get more. He's, he's an amazing God. He's a generous God. 
And that's like I, I told this last week, and, and I, I feel it. Chris goes, well, you should have said this. And I said, okay, well, maybe I'll add it this week. Um, I was talking about the fact that Paul and I do construction together and that we, I, myself, I kind of threw him in there too, but I make more money right now than I ever have in my life. I spent my other years, when I got divorced, I had four sons and I wanted to be around them, so I took whatever job I could to survive and to be able to be with them. And when I came over here with Micah, she lined out with her boss that somebody needed a worker, that they wanted to run the warehouse. Well, actually, I got over there, and he, whoever really didn't want anybody to run the warehouse, they just wanted somebody that could work. So I worked. I was working 60 hours a week, making nothing. And I had a, a bill come up, and I told him I was going to probably have to quit. And then also, in the same time, I ended up with a neck injury that I'd had in the past from a car wreck and it got where the nerves were just done and my, I was most thoughts times just holding my arm like this all day because it hurt so bad just to where I couldn't even use it finally I just said I, I, I can't work anymore I gotta, I gotta go and he goes well, what are you going to do I said well I'll have to do something I said maybe I'll go back into construction everybody wants construction workers and he goes there's no way you can do that You'll never make it. There's no way that you, that you could do that. Well, what do you know? I got prayer, got healed, and I'm in construction work making more than I ever have. I haven't told him that yet. But. Where are we at here? Four. Encouragers and through others. Thessalonians 5.11 says, encourage one another and build each other up. I don't think you realize how big this is. I don't really think anybody realizes what a word can do for somebody when you put it out. It may be very insignificant to you, one or two little words that you're thinking, I'm supposed to say that to them. You're like, yeah, it's not going to make a difference. I learned really quick that if you give those, I've seen people melt after a couple words that you give them because it's something that they needed to hear. And I'm thinking, well, you're thinking, what's this? It's a word. What is it? You know, we have, we've had a dream like I said, about a, a rescue ranch. And, and a dream that God gave me way before I even met Micah was taking a big old red barn and turning it into a place like that. And the whole loft is the worship area. And then you convert the underneath where the stalls were into rooms with a big kitchen and, and rooms for people to stay down there. I'm thinking if it's good enough for Jesus, it's good enough for us. <laughs> and so we're sitting at MIT and, and the second to last week, and you know, we, we think about that dream, but we haven't, I mean, it, it's a God thing. He's got to come up with the money. We don't have the money to buy a $2 million place to, to put this. And you know, so we kind of 
thing I always say is we try to do what's in front of us. Whatever God's put in front of us, we try to do that. And then we've kind of said, okay, it's here. We're open to it. But we're going to do what you've got us doing right here. And that's why I'm doing here. That's why I do as much as I do here, because this is what he's got in front of me right now. So we're sitting there and we're talking about it. And Chris is going, now we're, for next week, we, you need to pray for about, to, you know, about everybody and get a prophetic word for them and everything. He goes, like Kevin, Red Barn. And I went, what? <laughs> he goes, yeah, Red Barn. And I went, what are you doing? He goes, well, he just told me to tell you Red Barn. And I went, okay. I said, you really don't have, he goes, I don't need to know what it means. He goes, he told me to tell you. So he brings those things back. You know, we, there's so many times prophetic words and things you get, you, you put on the shelf and you put aside. Because you're like, I don't think that's ever going to happen. But he keeps bringing them back if you listen. He'll keep showing you what he's given you before. And he'll touch you and say, hey, I haven't forgot about that. You can't forget about that. You need to remember that dream that I gave you on what I want you to do. But it has to be done in his strength. And then to encourage each other with what we do. You know, to get back to the encouraging. I even love to just, you know, it is what it is, but I'm old-fashioned. I love to open the doors for the ladies. I love to open the doors at the post office. I love to help the ladies load the stuff in her cart, the grocery store, or the guy, whoever it is. Home Depot, I spend an extra 10 minutes. So I'm late for work, Paul. I help guys load their truck when they're there. I mean, give them a hand. Help them out. That's an encouragement to them, and they see you doing it, then they do it for others. I mean, my boys all open the doors for anybody, but it's because they saw me do it for years. And I try to do my best to open my wife's car door all the time, but sometimes she forgets that I'm coming around as fast as I can to open the door. So, And if you're not used to having it done for you, you just naturally do it yourself. Encouragers can be so many different ways. Actions, words, any of those things can really make an impact in somebody's life. Really big. Five. Plans. <laughs> James 4, 13 through 15 says, Listen, those of you who are boasting today or tomorrow, we will go to another city and spend some time and go into business and make heaps of profit. But you don't have a clue what tomorrow will bring. For your fleeting life is but a warm breath of air that is visible in the cold only for a moment and then vanishes. Instead, you should say, our tomorrows are in the Lord's hands, and if he is willing, 
We will live life to its fullest and do this and that. And I think that's one of the things that holds us back in our equipping is because we don't see it the way God does. Our plans are completely different than his. And it's not looking the way we think it should look. So you know what? We're going to take it into our own hands and do our own plan. Maybe it does for you. Our plans, you know, and I think our plans are great. And I think he gives us plans that, that he wants us to do. The only thing we have to be open to is those plans aren't set in stone. And you can hear everything he says to you and think you've got this great plan. And you've got a picture of how you want it to work how you want it to be. And he's saying, well, wait a minute. That can't quite work the way you're seeing it because this part over here isn't going to come in there the way you think it's going to come in there. And I have to weave this part into this part and this part over here into this part and this part over here into this part and this part over here into this to make this happen. So, yeah, you have a great idea, but it's not going to look that way. I'll, I'll put it together if you let me. I'll show you how it can come out if you let me. I'll show you that dream if you let me. I'll equip you to do that dream if you let me. Or you can struggle. Or you can do the dream, but it only ends up being a portion of what the dream really could have been. That it's only part. Because you didn't let him do all of it. Or lead you through it. I want the whole dream. And I want it bigger than even I can imagine. Which is what he says he can do too. Overly and abundantly, more than we can ever fathom. And I think that's part of what we do too is we cut him short. We put him in a box and go, well, I know you've given me this, God, this plan. But how can I pay for it? You can't. How can I start that? You can't. How can I get a million dollars? You can't. That's why you need my plan. So that you can get to that. And it'll be more than you ever imagined because you trusted me in it. You trusted me to lead you into it. There's a, a ministry down in Kansas City, Missouri, I believe is where it's at. It's called Harvest Home. 
It's a couple that I met over in uh, Helena years ago, and they have a, a rescue ranch that they've put together, and it's uh, self-sustaining for the most part. They have a big garden. I think they have 320 acres. But when I met them, it wasn't open yet. They had this plan. They would had this dream for years. They finally got the land, and now they've put it together. They have seven rescue houses on there now. They have gardens, that, and everybody that comes in there learns. They've got classes they go to. They learn how to take care of themselves. They learn how to garden. They learn how to They have art therapy. They have equine therapy. They have all from people donating stuff to be able to do this. We look at that and just go, and actually, we're going to make a trip. It's, it's funny because I met them, and then I do artwork, which not too many people around here have seen many of, but I drew a picture of them, Danny and Rhonda, and I drew them. Everybody know what the, the painting American Gothic is? It's where the farmer and the, they're standing there together. Well, I drew them, their faces, on American Gothic, and then put the ranch what I had envisioned of their ranch in the background and, and sent it to them. So when, and I'm thinking, yeah, I wonder if they ever even got that. And so when I met Micah, it had probably been 10 years since I'd, since I'd done that. And so Micah called them because she wanted, I mean, that's, we want to go visit. We want to see how they started it. We want to know how they run it. So she called them and talked to Danny and she goes, well, she goes, I don't know if you'd remember. She said, my husband, Kevin, drew a picture of you guys and, and sent it down to you and he went, Oh, yeah, we have it on the wall. And I went, what? You have it on the wall? Don't ever put down little things you can do. I mean, I don't know what it meant to them, but it must have meant something. Ten years later, they still had it on their wall. They were also the ones that we we talk about, Darcy talks about pennies, but they were also the ones that said, Rhonda had said that... uh, when you find pennies, you find a soul. And it's a soul that you're going to save. And she had envisioned that the church that I was at, that we, we, we would be able to fill up a, a swimming pool with pennies from the souls that they've saved. So a lot of people don't like pennies. I pick up pennies all the time. I want to save as many souls as I can. Six, prayer. Philippians 4, 6. This is the one that Charlene just was talking about. Don't be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. I love how when you get into a place and get connected with people, God connects everything you do. I mean, the songs that she was singing about the Holy Spirit. I mean, I just, I'm listening this morning going, I love this. (laughs) I love this. The way things connect. And then for Charlene to stand up and say that, I'm thinking, I looked at Micah when she was sitting there, and I said, hey, I think we put that into the sermon last night. She just kind of smiled and said, "Mm mm-hmm. Prayer is huge. He hears us. Doesn't he, Tim? 
Tim puts stuff out all the time, and Tim Groningen, he, he just said, he's been dealing with some pain and stuff, but he'd said in the one, that was this morning, wasn't it? was talking about he'd looked back in his notes for something, he wasn't sure what he was looking back for, and he, what hit him was that God hears us. God hears our prayers. God hears us. He hears everything. He knows what we're praying. He knows what we need. Now, there's different prayers for different things. I'm not sure the prayer for the Corvette is one that he answers right away. Or the new truck or the... And I really feel like I'm sure you all already do it, but we can't just be praying for our own needs all the time and our own problems and our own. That's part of the encouraging too is praying for others. Pray them through what they're going through. Just like Micah said, we were praying for those two people to be healed. And to hear that they are, (laughs) it's just like, I want to pray for everybody. I just pray that when Dennis and... Chris, come back. They have testimonies that are out of this world for who's been healed, what they've been healed from, how they were healed. Emotional healings, physical healings. Lots of times physical healings deal with emotional things. When we were in Brazil, (laughs) we were praying. We went over with Randy Clark with his, his healing ministry. And... That's what, it, it was unique in the fact that it was during COVID and that we never, they had never actually done street evangelism or anything like that before. They always went to a church that was set up that knew they were coming and were expecting us to be there and were expecting of things to happen. Think, Randy Clark had said once and one time, he said, I don't go where I have to plow. I go where somebody's already plowed. And then we can go into those churches. Those people are expecting healing and they're expecting us to come there. So lots of times when we did go into the churches, the healing had already started before we ever started praying because they had faith and they'd showed up for something to happen. They were already there expecting to be healed and had the faith for that to happen before we ever started praying for them. And lots of times whoever was ministering that day could stand up there and say, Okay, I'm done with the sermon. Before we even bring people up, how many of you are already healed from what you came to be healed of? And there would be hands up everywhere before we even prayed for them. But one of the other things that was cool about that trip is one of the, because of COVID, one of the churches canceled. We couldn't go to one of the towns. So they were just sending us out in the town that we were in on the streets to pray for people. We'd sit and have a, hello? Um, We were sitting and having, we'd have a, you know, a prophetic meeting, a group before we'd go and just talk about what, if anybody saw anything, what they saw, how they did, you know, everything. And a lot of you've heard some of these stories, but the one we, you know, we came up with a a red shirt, uh, you know, knee, whatever, all this. And then you'd go out and try and find them like a treasure hunt. This was new to them because none of, they'd never done this. 
But we saw more healings and more people come to God on the streets there in Sao Paulo than they ever had. Because of the prayers, we went out there with faith, knowing that God was with us to go out and do it. We watched a, a lady, an older lady, which <laughs> the, an older lady and gentleman that we, we found him, it was red shirt. She had a red shirt. We were looking at uh, a knee or something. The guy had a bad knee, but it wasn't him. It was her we're praying for. And she had glaucoma, I think it was, and her eyes were not working and it was getting worse. And by the time we left, she said she could see 75% better than she ever had. So we kept praying. But the funny thing was, there was a, a hairdresser right there, and they called the cops on us because they thought we were trying to take advantage of this old couple. So they, the, the cops showed up and were just talking to us. Says, we're just praying for them. We're not asking for any money or anything. We're just, we're just here praying for them. And the lady's like, they're fine. They're doing, they're fine. Just leave them alone. But it was amazing to see that, that our prayers can heal. Laying hands and praying. Prayer is huge. I, can't, I mean, I can't even explain how huge it is. So pray. Seven. The way he, he equips us is with gifts. First Corinthians 12 tells of all the gifts of the Holy Spirit gives. I'm not going to read that whole. There's a lot in there. Annalie was had the feeling this morning that people that have prayed for tongues and haven't got them, that you can get them today. So if you have been praying to have tongues and don't have it, keep praying for it. It can happen today. But he gives us all those gifts. And then Tim had, had put another thing on. You say this was from Daily Bread. Is that what this was? It was actually Romans 12.3. It says, "Is well known as one of the New Testament passages that describes spiritual gifts to equip us for spiritual service. These gifts, however, are only half the story. The other half is found in attitudes with which some of those gifts are to be exercised. What are those gifts, gift attitudes? Prophesying, preaching is to be done in faith. Giving is to be done generously. Leadership is to be exercised diligently. And finally, showing mercy is to be done cheerfully. He gives us gifts. We're supposed to use the gifts. But we're supposed to use them the way he wants us to use them. This may be kind of off the thing here, but I'm sure that there's seers that, you know, use the cards and do everything. I totally believe that that gift was given to them by God. They're just not using it the way it's supposed to be used. And prophetic words that are given out. That, yeah. Anyway, that's a whole other sermon. So the attitudes and the way we use our gifts, just like Ben had said about stewarding what he gives us, not only the gifts he gives us, but the equipping that he gives us. 
Steward it in a way that shows Him. We have to be a part of it. And Chris always says this too. We can be overly humble. So after the service, if you tell me I did a, a great message, I'll tell you thank you. I won't say, well, it's not me. God gave it to me. Well, He did give it to me. But I stood up here and gave it to you. So I'll say thank you. And then later on, I'll go, thank you, God, for giving me that message and that it touched somebody. So to bring this kind of all together, God does equip us or furnish us for everything we have to go through. God had planned what we were going to go through from the very beginning, just like he planned for the bird to fly before it was hatched. Whenever God calls us to a task, he will equip us to complete that task. Now, here's a checklist of how he equips us and how we can help each other if we are open to it. One, with affliction. Remember that you're not going through that just to be in pain. He's leading you through that for a reason. Two, with knowledge and open doors. He's given you the knowledge. Read the word. He'll open the doors for you when you need the doors opened Three, with his strength, not our strength. Yes, we need strength. We need to be in shape like Sylvester Stallone was on there to carry out what he wants us to do. We have to take care of our physical bodies to walk out the calling he has for us. But that doesn't mean we do it on our strength. We're doing it in his strength, but we're just being diligent with what he gave us to do what he wants us to do. Four, through others. Encourage. You got a word for somebody? Even if you talk, walk up, I mean, my wife is so amazing. I can walk up to any lady and tell her that she looks beautiful. And actually that makes my wife feel good that I would tell that lady that she looks beautiful. Maybe she hasn't heard that. Maybe she hasn't heard it in a while. She loves that I would do that. So encourage people. You don't, I'm like, keep saying, you don't know what one little word can do for somebody. Five, it's his plan, not our plan. His plan. Six, praying. Give it to him. Lay down the prophetic words, the dreams, and everything in front of him. So you've given me this, but I'm laying it here for you to help me do it. Seven, through gifts that we steward and share. He doesn't give us gifts and equip us to keep it for ourselves. He gives it to us to share with everybody else. I can have you stand, I'll pray for you. And then we'll do, it. we'll do a little activation too. I love activations. As Dennis would say, 
if you do an activation in this world, then it's a prophetic activation in heaven. Father, I just thank you for this group of people. I thank you that you can just open their ears and their hearts to the Holy Spirit completely. To everything that you have for them, that they would just be able to hear you better than they've ever heard you, and that the Holy Spirit would just engulf them with what they need to do and where they need to go. That you would just bless them with your presence completely in their life. And that you would just let them know how much you love them. Unconditionally, wherever they're at, whatever they're going through, you're with them, you love them, you have them. Thank you for that, God. So now for our activation, we're going to fly. So I want you to just stand there and close your eyes, put your hands out. Don't smack the guy next to you. And just envision yourself soaring above anything that can stop you. Above any obstacle that you have in your life, you're soaring above that obstacle. You're soaring above it because God's got you. You're going to fly now. He's equipped you with what you need to fly, to be above everything that's there. Just envision that for a minute. That he's bigger than anything that can come into your life. He's bigger than cancer. He's bigger than depression. He's bigger than a lost job. He's bigger than money. He's bigger than anything that can come into your path. And you just smile and you soar right over that. In Jesus' name. Amen. Anybody needs, Mika was thinking that we kind of missed a thing with the healing thing. So if anybody needs prayer for healing, I'd love to pray with them. Other than that, you're free to go. Have a blessed day. Amen. Thank you for joining us today. Harvest Valley Worship Center is called to be a refuge for healing and a launch pad for transformation. If this message impacted you today, please let us know in a comment or you can email us at media at hvwc.com. Thank you for joining us and we look forward to connecting with you.